your home or love to see them in theirs. These are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm Creeping It Real. So this is episode 21. Boom. What's the joke, Rob? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, thought he, I thought I could get him to say it. But, nope, you're not nope. even going to know what the hell we're talking about now. <laughs> That's cool. Thanks, Rob. You're welcome. I like, I like inside jokes that are not for the outside. Okay. All right. That's fine. Anyway, episode 21 have a super awesome guest yes i'm very excited to have this person on we got dan rove from rove reptiles how you doing tonight Woo! man Woo! i'm doing well guys <laughs> we are <laughs> excited yeah, to man. have you on and uh so dan for those are the people who don't know you have you been a lifelong reptile lover or were you someone who got into it when you were older sure uh so i've been uh lifelong for oh, sure. <laughs> always into reptiles and you're a kid, you're catching frogs and king cobras and stuff? <laughs> exactly. I, I'll say there's two pivot points. One was uh, I was an outdoor kid, so as long as the sun was up, I was outside in the woods catching frogs, flipping boards, uh, garter snakes, etc. And then um, as I got a little older, you know, started having pets, but my dad was Navy, so we were traveling all the time. And uh, kind of, we had to have a pet that was in a cage. Uh, and so after like five or six hamsters, and you know, uh, being traveled all around the country and the world, uh, finally decided to get a, a lizard. My parents, being uh, kind of by ma- I guess master's degree, whatever, they're librarians. Uh, and wow. so essentially, I had to write a thesis paper on uh, how I was going to take care of this lizard. Um, oh boy! And about so I finally paper six months later. Um, it gets sick, right? And I take it to the vet, and the vet's like, why are you bringing a lizard here? We don't do lizards. Uh, uh-huh. Shocked and appalled. Uh, and so uh, at that point was, uh, I'm going to go get my, uh, uh, I'm going to go be a vet that takes care of lizards. Um, and uh, through college, biology um, degree, uh, I, t- I took, I was the opposite kind of person. I was biology degree, and I took computer science to boost my GPA. I don't know how, what works, but... <laughs> I, my head goes that way uh and uh but then like as i'm looking for vet schools they're like oh here's this like stack of books you'll use and here's this like half a chapter on reptiles that we'll talk about and i'm like that's that's not for me yeah, uh, yeah. And at that point i had a bunch of like uh breeder friends and things like that so i, I skipped out on vet school i uh, didn't go i got my degree in biology minored in computer science and uh you know computers pays for most people pays a lot better than <laughs> reptiles so it's uh, fair like enough bring the hobby home yep. <laughs> for real though <laughs> yeah yeah oh if only i could learn computers <laughs> yeah i'm kind of kicking myself for not learning computers better because i was actually pretty good at it when i was younger you know doing html on myspace and shit and like yeah I'd, right i focused on it i could be making some good money right now yeah but instead <laughs> i clean snake poop we clean snake poop. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it yeah <laughs> so what what type of lizard did you have when you were, when you were younger Sure. It was a. They were. A, it was Jack and Jill, a pair of uh, wild caught brown bass lisks. Mm. Oh, that's very cool. That's interesting. Not what I would have expected yeah. for a first lizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's an even even a weird one because like 
even if you were a vet who had been like, I'm a little interested in reptiles. Let me learn about the basics of reptiles. You probably would have learned about like ball pythons. You would have learned about green iguanas. You would have learned about like leopard geckos and bearded dragons. Yeah. And that probably would have been it. So they, you bring in a brown uh, basilisk, they're going to be like, what the hell kind of iguana yeah. is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what, what was what was the, the thought process behind the brown basilisk? Was it just like, oh, this is a cool looking lizard? Or was it like the only thing they had at the pet store? <laughs> It was essentially the only thing at the pet store, other mm. than bunny rabbits, I think, at the time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Pet store's got to up your reptile selection, man. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, back then, uh, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. At least in, uh, you know, we were in uh, Newport, Middletown, Rhode Island area, so uh, yeah. not, mm. the, not the most exotic pet type of uh, area anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. True. I just I feel like I was so lucky when I was growing up because – I grew up like 20 minutes maybe from Greg Mertz, the odd pet vet, mm-hmm. and he was like my go-to guy, and I was always very impressed with him. Even when I started getting into like weirder reptiles, he always knew what I was bringing in, because th- there was like one time where I was like, maybe I'll go see another vet that says that they do reptiles, and I brought my Solomon Island ground boa that hadn't been eating for a, a couple months. And I brought it in, and I open up the bag and take it out, and the vet goes, oh, so what kind of snake is this? And I was like, okay, if you don't know what kind of snake it is, you're not going to help me right now. You're like, check, please. Yep, oh. I will, I'll be done. It's going to oh. cost me $60 to walk in the door for me to tell you you don't know anything. Great, that's yep. awesome. Yep. Uh. But anytime I brought Greg stuff, he always knew exactly what I was doing. So I, I was very grateful to have an exotic vet. Uh, you know, in the area when I was growing up, especially because yeah. the first time, time that I like met met him was when I had brought him a, my Jackson's chameleon. My first pet was a pet reptile was a Jackson's chameleon, and I had it for a couple of years, and then it ended up getting an eye infection. And I brought it to him, and at the time in Massachusetts, chameleons were illegal. I bought it when I was in Connecticut on vacation with my family, and like my family had bought it as our our pet. And then we brought it back. We didn't. We had it for like two or three years before we realized that it was illegal. So we brought it into him, and we're like, "Look, we have this chameleon." And he's like, "Look, I'm not gonna report you, but chameleons are illegal in Massachusetts, so you should try to get a permit for it." And so he really helped us out, and he like showed us the right way to go to get a permit and all that sort of stuff. But I was like, very, very lucky to have had like an actual exotic vet very close to me who I could reference if I ever needed it. Yeah. Yeah, I had I uh, I had one in in Western Mass. Um, forgetting the name of the of the clinic he worked at, but uh, his name was Doctor Krauser, and uh, I didn't ever really need to take too many animals to the vet. Thank God. Yeah. But uh, whenever I did, like he was always the name that would get recommended. So he finally like go to see. I think it was for like the first time I had a ball python not eat for many months and was yeah. like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he was basically like. Well, yeah, well, you know, we'll take a look at him. Some, you know, it could be a bunch of different things, but looked at him, he's like, it's perfectly healthy. What sex is it? Yeah. He's like, it's a male. He's like, oh, yeah, this is fine. That's fine. <laughs> it happens. Yep. That same thing happened to me, dude. My first ball python. I've had him now for 17 years, and he's like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And he went for 11 and a half months without eating once. And like the first four months, I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. And then as soon as he hit like seven or eight months, I was like, I don't think something's okay right yeah, now. Yeah, something's <laughs> not right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, no, I remember that because I remember like he did like a fecal sample. Yep, like, just yep, to all be the sure things, just to be thorough. Yep. And as soon as like he got all of that information, he was like, oh, f- 
to hell with Damn the it, fecal. Damn it, it's a male. It's a male. Yeah, it's exactly. He'll eat when he's ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, oddly enough, like the next day, yep. it ate. Uh, I was like, after getting poked and prodded, <laughs> motherfucker, that's when you decide to go and eat? It's weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, I just feel like I was super lucky to have that. And then, you know, I, I thought about doing like some sort of vet program but after mm-hmm. talking to some people who do vet like veterinary school they're like it's harder to get into the medical school and it's very grueling and it's very unrewarding because you usually see things when everything's bad for people and you never see people who are happy to see you and it's like oh that sounds like a terrible job why would i want to do that <laughs> like i love yeah, reptiles I'd much rather want to be hanging out with healthy animals versus sick ones all day so. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and, for and sure. get people who come in and they they don't realize that you know that something's wrong i can't tell you how many times that we've had animals brought to nerd and people are like oh you know it's my kid he, he takes great care of it and they bring it in and it's this leopard gecko that's like almost folded in half because it's got mbd so bad and it's like how do you not know that that's not a healthy animal i don't understand it's like it's bad enough seeing that stuff without having to um you know, have that be your job to always take that in, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because I've, I've talked to Greg a bunch of times, and he's like, you know, it's it's a good job, I love it, but it's very exhausting because people don't see you when, you know, most people don't bring their reptile to a vet when it's healthy. They bring it when it's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to say, like, um, a lot of times, like, wildlife rehabbers who work with reptiles and, and stuff, like, people, like, bring bring them things that get hit or, like, you hear, yeah. like, whatever. And they always have, like, these grandiose ideas of people of who keep rest- reptiles yeah. and, like, what it should be. And I'm like, you can't you can't base your opinion as an outsider yeah. um, looking at that and be like, yes, this is terrible. It's like, their job is to see the worst of the worst. Yeah. You know, the they, they most signed up for that day whatever. one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They signed up for it. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, oof. Yeah, it's, it's like those people self-select, but then I've got, like, that, that leopard gecko guy who comes into our store, and he loves oh, freaking yeah, leopard yeah, yeah. geckos. And he was concerned because after his leopard geckos had bred, his females had dropped a little bit of weight, and he called me, and he's, like, super concerned. He's like, dude, my leopard gecko, it's... I think it's dying. It's lost so much weight. I'm very concerned. And I'm like, dude, bring it in today. Like, I'll stay late. I don't care. Bring it in. I'll take a look at it. If there's anything I can do to help you, I'll help you out. And he brings in the leopard gecko. He's like, I don't even want to show it to you, dude. It's so bad. And he brings it out in in this, like, six-inch deli. And the thing takes up the whole deli container. I was like, that's a giant leopard gecko. Holy shit. He's like, it's not bad. I was like, that thing's, like, twice the size of every leopard gecko that we have in our store. What do you mean? That thing's a giant. And he's, like, concerned because he had had him, like, so primed for breeding that they were so big when they dropped some of that weight when they laid eggs. He just hadn't seen it. An a animal drop weight like that so quickly, so he was like t- freaked out, and then now yeah. he's just like, "Dude, my leopard geckos, I had to put them on a diet." You were right; they were a little big. <laughs> it's just it's 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 interesting because we see both sides of it, you know. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's so wild to see like all the different aspects of keeping. I like I did a private tour for some people today. And uh, the mother who had brought the daughter there, the daughter has a leopard gecko, and she's really into reptiles and everything. And the mo- mother and the grandmother had come uh, with them. And when we get into lep- the – not the leopard gecko room. When we get into the, re- <laughs> the reticulated python room, she's like, oh, man, people must get these all the time and then dump them. And I'm like, 
Nope. You know what? I, I hardly ever get reticulated pythons dropped off at our store. That's In the true. entire time that I've like been working at Nerdhold like uh, full time, so the last four and a half years, I've had maybe six reticulated pythons dropped off here. Like maybe six. It's. I feel like it's closer to four animals. I can probably count and recall each one that was dropped off at our store. Mm-hmm. I have had. Over a hundred leopard geckos dropped off at the store, and like yeah. little ball pythons and yeah. like stuff like that. It's never, it's hardly ever the big stuff that gets dropped off at our store. It's always like the little tiny things, yeah. which is like crazy to think about. I, I feel like in that instance, it's just because those bigger animals, like I feel like those people probably did do that extra a bit level of research, of research <laughs> or they, they got it and they were like, man, like, this thing is badass. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I want to make sure I give it the best life. Yeah, and I told him, I was like, look, we we charge more than a lot of people do for reticulated pythons. Like, you can probably go on Morph Market maybe and find, like, a $75 normal reticulated python. Maybe even cheaper than that. Especially at a Reptile Expo. I've seen reticulated oh, pythons yeah. for $50, like, before. Yeah. And so people will buy that on impulse because $50 is, you know, that's... Lunch. I bought dinner. I got a nice fancy dinner, and it's fifty bucks. Yeah, it's not a big deal. But we start our normal reticulated pythons at like one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. So people who are willing to invest that little bit more money are not always. I mean, there are some people who are willing to throw two hundred bucks down like it's nothing. Yeah. But the amount of people who are willing to spend fifty dollars versus the amount of people who are willing to spend two hundred dollars, or you know, or one hundred fifty dollars, is like a vastly different group of people. True. So most people who are willing to spend a little bit more of that money, they think about it when they're talking about caging and all that sort of stuff. For sure. Speaking of caging, yes, <laughs> I've seen photos of, of some of Dan's oh my enclosures. Goodness. And dude, so nice. <laughs> your enclosures are some of the coolest. Like, ah, I, I forgot what the first photo was that I saw. It, one of your monitors, and I was like, oh my god, that enclosure That's looks mint. like so clean Mm -hmm. so like pristine i was like i don't even feel like i should look at it i feel like (laughs) i'm making it dirty by looking at it in a picture and and to keep water monitors in it they're like the most disrespectful reptile they're like (laughs) they're like let me lift my tail and poop across the wall i know you made this nice area for me to go to the bathroom but i'd like to poop here instead (laughs) for sure for sure yeah so when we uh so when we built the when we moved to this house um we built the the reptile building kind of next to the house, and uh, my my wife, um, while she's not uh, doesn't isn't doing cleaning and all that with the animals, uh, she uh, appreciates that it's my passion, and so she kind of lets me do my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's very has a very modern style, uh, and so she's like, if we're gonna make a reptile building, it's got to be pretty. Uh, and so you know the reptile the monitor, you know we've got walk in. Uh, you know, six foot, ten foot uh, monitor cages with kind of the, the steam shower glass doors with the chrome and the yeah. so it's a uh, it's it's a little fancy for a reptile building, but uh, if it made uh, her happy and I could get my reptile building, then uh, it was a small price to pay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, dude. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like most guys are like, oh well, I bought like a, another snake and she's kind of pissed off right now. He's like, I'm gonna build a building for this reptile. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, that, that started like the, the day I met her, right? So I, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, we were talking, and uh, she, you know, I'm doing the whole like, well, what I want, what I want to do in the, you know, quote unquote, when I grow up, because I met her at orientation of college, um, wow. was uh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, get a job, and I'm gonna have a reptile building. That's my dream. You know, I have to like 
kindergarten sketch of my house with the reptiles and the ball pit and uh, uh, <laughs> you know, that's I, awesome. I don't, I don't have a I don't have a ball pit yet, but I got the reptile building. So <laughs> I knew, you know, since the day I met her, uh, that I was going to do this, and uh, you know, I think when we started digging the foundation, it started getting real for her. So, uh, but you know, she's been uh, very accepting of it. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. That's when you're like, it was in the picture. Yeah, it we, was in you the signed picture. up. Just remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This was day one. You agreed from day one. Yeah, I'm right, just saying. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think i got to wait for one of the kids to move out before I can take over their room for a ball pit, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair trade-off. Yo, for the summertime, you could literally just get an inflatable pool and solar balls. I'm just That's saying. That's true. The seasonal ball pit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, when this uh, corona thing's over, uh, I'll have you guys over for a ball pit party. Hell yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my That's God. Amazing. I can't even think about, like, what – Chuck E. Cheese has got to be ruined with COVID. Oh, yeah. Chuck Places E. Cheese like has had, yeah. like, one inch of slime on everything. Oh, oh God. If, oh, if, if you went to Chuck E. Cheese, you're immune to everything, right? <laughs> That's probably That's very true. That's why I haven't got COVID, because I grew up going to Chuck E. Chuck Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, oh yeah. man. Never oh, mind social distancing. Protective yeah, yeah oh. I've got my protective slime. I'm like a fish. Oh. I, I'm not going to get the COVID slime because I've got my Chuck E. Cheese slime. No, you'll just get the ick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's a thing, right? Uh, is it, though? <laughs> so, Dan, oh. Dan, you've got some really amazing animals. you got some focus uh, with your monitors. Uh, you've got yep. some some carpet pythons and some some other animals. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your favorite animal you work with at your facility? Favorite animal? Uh, um, favorite type? All, all of them. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have them if I didn't like them. True. Um, so I, I can go through the list though. I think um, monitor wise, um, Sunny is like uh, my pride and joy. He's my he's our adult male sulfur that's you know. enough time on the phone with Nick Mutton to know it's definitely a thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. I, I, I spent the time with Nick as well, and that's where my stone watches are from, so yeah. uh, I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, uh, what's it? For colubrids, um, white-sided black rat snakes. Uh, Ooh, big yeah. fan of those. We've got uh, adults, and we've been breeding those uh, successfully, so that's going well. Um, I guess the latest in colubrids has been king rats, uh, primarily Ooh. for the um, the feistiness, uh, they give you, keep you on your toes, at least the ones we've got. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, on lizards, uh, other lizards, I guess so. We've, uh, got a bunch of different arid 
semi-arid species like a bunch of different Euromastics like Thomas I and um, stuff like that, and then uh, Agernia, you know, Hosmeri, Foxy, um, Cummingham I, all of those are awesome. Uh, I know Rob, you're not the biggest fan, but we, you know, we've got a, uh, a fairly good-sized group of uh, uh, O Cataphractus, uh, mm. which are, I think are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the armadillo girdle blizzards. Um, <laughs> I so, just get a lot like... of calls for people who are like, my five-year-old Googled armadillo lizard and I want to buy one. And I'm like, do you have 10 grand laying around? Because you're not <laughs> buying one right now. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I think they're interesting. Uh, I think they're interesting. It's just that I get a lot of phone calls about those. And I'm like, I don't have any. I haven't had any. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to find any. Yeah. But people, right. like, they Google, they're like, I'm in New England, I'm looking for a reptile. Oh, I'll call New England Reptile. And I'm like, ah, uh. yeah, I can't help you. That's like I had someone call the other day, or downstairs had someone call the other day in Zoo Creatures, and they uh, asked, they were like, if you guys get rubber boas in, can you, like, call me and let me know? And I just wrote on the note, ha ha, good luck. And I was like, uh. I, was, I know I know 100 people who are looking for rubber, rubber boas, boas right yeah. now. If if yep. they become available, they're not probably going to be going to you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, right, that's right, quite right. true. Yeah, dude, they used to be fairly. I don't ever remember seeing them. I available. remember seeing like sun gazers. I remember seeing the the armadillo lizards quite regularly at expos yeah. and stuff. I don't ever remember seeing rubber boas. I remember seeing Calabar burrowing pythons like it was nothing, yeah, fifteen dollars or something. I remember. I, I, forget, I think I must have been like maybe eighteen or nineteen, but there was like a good year, year and a half where I remember seeing rubber boas, not like in numbers, but you'd see but them like here I and would there. see consistent ads throughout the year, year and a half, and I would just be like, I, I don't know, they didn't really do anything for me, yeah. and then now you can't find them at all, and I'm like. Huh, you know, those rubber no, bows. No, those could Jeremy, be cool. Uh, <laughs> see, my biggest thing for a long time has been, ugh, it looks like a poop snake. It looks like a pile uh, of poop. It's not like, anytime I saw rubber bows, anytime I saw a Calabar burrowing pythons, I was like, ugh, it's a poop snake. It looks like, like a little tight uh, coiled poop, poop emoji. Yeah, it looks like a little poop emoji. And I was like, uh, I don't really want that. I'm okay. I'll keep uh, the slugs and the tree, angry tree newt things. So you almost said noodles. I almost said noodles. You almost said, <laughs> damn, you heard it here, folks. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit that out. What what timestamp? Oh are we no, already? that one's that one's staying in there. That one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh I just, man. I was, I just remember like. I can't even remember. One of my friends just was like, oh, man, these Calabar burrowing puzzles are really cool. And I was like, oh, poop snake. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> I can't get into it. I can't get into friends it. Dreams. I know. I'm, I'm very opinionated, Jeremy. Uh, I know. You elitist piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I, I got to know, uh, Dan, how many, uh, how many brittles do you have? How many brittles do we have? Uh, we've been downsizing a fair amount as I've been kind of refining the collection. Also, when we were doing tours, um, if you go through six aisles of brittles, um, <laughs> kids start to get bored. <laughs> fair <laughs> so enough. We to diversify, diversify a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think we've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, eight, nine, ten, nine, ten, nine, ten, maybe 15 or 16. Damn. <laughs> Jeremy just got. <laughs> A little excited. <laughs> I did. I did. I've got like seven or eight here, but yeah. All right. Oof. Yeah, and I. Are you going to send your pair on uh, forever breeding loan? <laughs> may, maybe so. Maybe so. I won't. I won't say no. But uh, I've got. I've got like some hypo stripe stuff from from Nick and some het stone wash yep. stuff from him too. So, yeah, I've nice. got a 
couple of het for nothing normals also. <laughs> they, it was literally like the pair of the pair of het stone washed. I I bought from a friend who got them from Nick, and he was just getting out getting out of pythons. He was transitioning over into boas, and I was like, let me know. Just let me know when you're gonna yep. sell those things, dude. So I got them from him, and then uh, the only reason I got any more was because we had gotten some for nerd. Yep. Um, and I, uh, according to the original list, they were just normal brettles. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, those will sell fine in the pet stores, whatever. And we got them in and it was like, pause that stripe. And I'm like staring at them and I'm like, that female's going to prove. She's got all the right markers. Mm -hmm. She's going to prove out. I'll put money on it. Matter of fact, I'm buying this thing right (laughs) now. So I like bought it. And then I was like, well, now I need a stripe male to prove this sucker out. Yep. So... Next thing I know, I'm on the phone with Nick, and Nick's like, oh, are you getting into brittles? And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. He hooked me in the same way, man. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get one or two. you know. And then I've got these like giant boxes of baby hatchling uh, yep. uh, car- carpets showing up in my door. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll sell some after I ref- pick the ones I like. And, yep. Uh, that's- <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. He's like, listen, man. I bred like all my brettles and they all went and they all had good clutches and now I have too many brettles and I was like I've never heard anybody say that but I will gladly help you with your problems sir even if it's only a couple <laughs> Oh man no brettles are are probably one of one of my favorite carpets um them and, and jungle stuff. Like, I, I've really focused on the uh, the Ocelot Jag stuff for the jungles. Um, yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, man, the, there's just something about brittles. I remember the first time I, I bred them, uh, I I was away. The uh, they, they hatched on, like, a Friday night or whatever, and I was, like, away that next Saturday or whatever. So when I finally got back, they were all out of the egg, just in the egg box, like, oh, my God, let us out. So I remember opening the lid, and they're just, like, shooting out. And, you know, they're baby carpet pythons, so you startle them, and they're like, what the hell, and just start biting everything. You get 15 babies that are just like, I'm going to kill this thing. <laughs> and I was like, this is so awesome, but, ow, stop, ah, just, God, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, brittles are cool. I appreciate some good brittles. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, what else we got? Oh, um, Wumus. Uh, we were fairly successful breeding those this year. Oh, um, sweet. My, my uh, what, she's almost 11-year-old daughter uh, claims full success of that um, for deciding when to put them together and uh, doing all that. So she's very proud of uh, producing our Wumas this year. Uh, Hell awesome. yeah, that's an accomplishment. You yeah, know what I was doing sure. at 11? Yeah. Catching yeah. garter yeah. snakes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah but they, they're, they're also like, like we, ha- we have to keep them grounded because like when my son was, he's uh, 12 now, but when he was like, you know, seven or eight, he'd be at the reptile show. Like somebody would be giving a presentation, not you, Rob, but somebody else. And, you know, he's a stickler for like accuracy. Oh, and yeah. And so they would say something like vague or not true about like, we'll say that tegu, right? Uh, and and my, my son would be like, hand up and correct <laughs> the person. Uh. And, and then, you know, sometimes they don't, they, they don't, know how to handle that very well and so they do the whole like puff my peacock feathers and you know well who's the one with the tegu and, and he's raises his hand you know we've got nine <laughs> uh, 
Shush, shush. Listen, different time, different time. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, or, or you go to the zoo and you're like, uh, you know, their reptile room is smaller than yours, and you're, the kids are like, we came all the way for this. Uh, <laughs> I feel that though, yeah, dude. Same. Sometimes you go to a zoo and you get all excited about the reptile room, and you like go in there and you're like, oh, they have a Kenyan sand boa and. Oh, a green anaconda. That's cool. Uh, that that's cool. I've seen those before. Um, yeah. Was that a painted yeah. turtle? Oh, ready uh, slider. Ready to slider. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, the the zoo closest to us is Southwick. Um, we we actually donated one of our woomas to them. So now, even though it's not the biggest reptile uh, room or whatever, we go to just check on our wooma. Hell yeah. There you go. That's awesome. See, I remember going to Southwick, and I. I think that they had like a retic on display and then like one or two other things I, I i remember not seeing a lot of reptiles the time that i went there but that was like pff, 10 years ago now Oof, yeah i don't know yeah uh, my local zoo didn't really have much yeah reptiles and they didn't really have anybody have anybody that like knew how to take care of them like yeah. i i remember i when i was a younger they had like a junior zookeeper program and I, so i had like done that and the head of the volunteers uh was the woman who was like taking care of the reptiles so like i would like sneak away to work mm. with her in the reptile room and stuff and uh, but i remember when they when i left and you know time went on they they tried to upgrade things but i remember going in and like seeing a green basilisk in like mm. the most arid set up no. ever and i look around and i'm like what is it this has got to be a joke this has got to be a joke the card on the thing says they like they're from the rainforest mm -hmm. like this and it's in the desert oh, what are we no. doing so i look over to the left and there's like suggestion box immediately grabbed the little half pencil and piece of paper and was like you guys what are you doing that thing's gonna dry out in a day you, <laughs> you didn't oh even God. put it in the box you found the nearest employee read this yeah, right now yeah. fix it fix it now <laughs> jesus uh, oh my poor God. fucking thing uh, <laughs> damn it See, Franklin Park, I think they've got, like, an anaconda. I remember seeing, like, a Madagascan tree boa there and, like, a Kenyan sand boa and something else. I don't even remember what other thing. But, like, the green anaconda was, like, their piece de resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they were like, yeah, check out our anaconda. And I'm like, I know where you got that anaconda from, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I know the source. Uh, I've held its mom. Yeah, <laughs> right. Ex exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's not that special. I know the lineage. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's just it's always just interesting seeing all that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So Dan, on those on those Womas, uh do you yep. do you tend to favor like the uh the brighter like oranges and reds or do you go for the the darker more earth tony looking animals? Sure. I go for the uh, orange as possible and light as possible coloration, uh, mm. and um, so that that's what I've been breeding for and selecting for. Um, uh, I mean, I know people that, that like the like higher contrast stripes and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I really like the kind of the bright orangeish color and then the kind of the the lighter tannish color. For sure. Yeah, when you get those nice bright ones, they, mm. they'll they'll catch your eye real quick. Just oh yeah, real yeah. quick. They're yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. If awesome. only they weren't so food driven. Yeah. 
it's, it's the uh, like the non-trustable snake, right? It's like you know, yeah. cruising around, you're holding it, everything's happy, and then it's like maybe your food. I'm just gonna gnaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just got a check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're sharks. And, uh, They're just doing a test bite. Exactly, exactly. And then it, you know, then everything's fine again for a minute, and then it does it again, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just like hoping that doesn't happen to like the fingertip or something. <laughs> you're like, please go for the forearm or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, that reminds me, like my my kids witnessing their first like bad bite was uh, we were at the. Uh, the, uh, what is it, the Wildlife Center where the, the Herp Society, New England Herp Society uh, oh, yeah, yeah. their meetings and they were downstairs and there was like somebody was selling somebody else their adult pair of womas and these were like I think I have big womas, these were big womas uh, right next to the guys that were like uh, selling the, the, the frozen rodents oh. yeah, exactly. and, uh, and my kids like, you know, at this point, they're like, you know, five and seven or something, you know, little. Um, and they're, they are taking out this woman. And my kids are like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, uh. They're telling these people that this is not a good idea. And then, you know, the guy's like, oh, no, no, this is my woman. It's a serious thing. I, you know, never been bit before in my life, whatever. Uh, crunch, you know, and uh. Uh, you know, uh, blood. And you get the credit card out to get the teeth out. It was just like a mess. And my kids were like, I told you. <laughs> coming i just want to go on record and say we saw that coming uh, <laughs> what not to do with a woman yeah yeah man that's that'll be a story for their kids in the yeah. future. listen i called them out i said I'm it. telling you i let him know it was a bad idea he didn't want to listen to, no one listens to the me. kids you know yeah. <laughs> oh my god uh, oh woman pythons <laughs> So Dan, not just that, you're also working on a, a project like that's more on the uh, computer side of things, but it still has to do with reptiles. So you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, when I'm not in the reptile building, I'm on the computer tinkering on this or that, and uh, I, I I find that there's not enough science when it comes to keeping uh, as far as uh, reptiles go, right? Like. Um, people oftentimes you know the care guide says 72 degrees or 89 degrees and you're like is that hot is that hot side cold side ambient basking like what what does that mean and that's yeah. the one time that guy checked before he wrote his care guide or something right yeah. um and, and the person that's successful that this like maybe the species nobody else is successful and this guy just has it in his basement and because of where he lives the ambient changes over the seasons and uh um we just don't have that data right and right. so I'm, I'm working on is a, an environmental and monitoring system essentially uh that uh you stick in your cage on a couple of the corners um and it tracks uh temperature humidity light and a, and a few other measurements depending on you know what model you're looking at um and this all feeds into kind of the graphs and the charts that you're able to see and ideally uh the software that i'm working on you can um check an anonymous box that says hey you know share my data and this is a species and so the goal is um to aggregate this data and say hey successful keepers this is the range that they they've got the humidity the temperature this is how it fluctuates over the years um, and be able to kind of collect that data and really um, help drive uh, 
uh, improvements to keeping. Uh, and my biggest thing is, you know, the reptile community is not, they oftentimes don't like to spend a lot of money um, on technology or on cages, right? Like, where do you get most of your cages? Craigslist or, or you know, the fish, the aquarium that's kind of on the side of the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so trying to, to get these uh, the price down to a, uh, a very small amount so that uh, it would be a kind of a, a no-brainer to uh, stick in your snake racks or put in your enclosures so that um, you're, you know, it's it's in a lot of places so that we get a lot of data and it's actually use, useful. If, you know, if I said this was going to be a $1,000 device, I'd be the only one running it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, so that's what I'm working on. Right now, um, we're kind of doing field tests in our facility, mm-hmm. uh, primarily around uh, battery life, right? Like, I, I want to make them as inexpensive as possible, and nobody likes changing uh, a bunch of batteries all the time, but yeah. I also want it to be in places that running wires to might be less uh, effective or pain in the butt. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to tune it so that the batteries last somewhere around a year, um, and so that's what we're shooting for. And yeah, so uh, that's what we're working on. I've got the, you know, uh, a bunch of these little modules, little devices, uh, 3D printing cases for them. Um, they're just little square boxes right now, but we'll get something fancier if it all works out. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of one of my side projects is uh, getting all the data so that we can all get better at what we love doing. That's pretty badass, man. Yeah. And uh, and so you said it's even even something that can be utilized in snake racks, not just enclosed like larger enclosures. Yes, yeah, exactly. So um, the the devices can have uh, one of the, the devices I have uh, can have up to uh, six or eight probes on it. So think about like you stick this in uh, in each tub, in each uh, you know slot in the rack, whatever. Uh, and then it aggregates that data for you uh, over time. And then also, um, I'm not going to put a guarantee on it because I don't want to be the person. This is why I don't. Uh, I don't want to do thermostats because I don't want to have somebody's animal's life in my hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I will have alerting and monitoring so that if it goes above or to below a certain threshold, um, it could beep your phone or whatever. So that you know, uh, a lot of these thermostats. Uh, if it's, it's like a tree falls in the wood, right? If, it, if it's beeping an emergency in your your rack and you're at work or somewhere else, you, you don't know that it's until relevant, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, this would be, you know, an extra layer of uh, awareness as far as when things are not the way they should be. That's that's super cool. And yeah, that, that certainly is a fair point. Yeah, mm-hmm. if a thermostat beeps in the snake room and no one's home to hear it. Does it even matter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not really alarming anything. It's it's alarming an empty room or like a yeah. you know, a room where no one can help. It's alarming mm-hmm. those few animals you might have that have ears yes. that yeah. don't understand what the hell is happening. <laughs> it's insult to injury at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. No, dude. I th- I think that's that's super cool. Um, mm. I'm excited to see what uh, your field tests uh at your place kind of allow you to figure out and 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 tweak and and make it even better um sure yeah it's yeah i mean i'm I'm sure we'll uh uh you know send you guys some uh to put in with some monitors and some rougher environments so we get some good uh uh field testing up there and then you know the uh what is it keith uh always comes to mind with all the the bolines uh python the bolines python uh all the cool experiments he's doing so like 
you know, he's a data guy. I think he would appreciate this type of thing. And then just coming up with other, you know, harder to breed species um, that would uh, kind of uh, benefit from this extra data collection, you know. And another ask is almost like, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that, like one laptop, one child or whatever. Like if you buy one of these laptops, it, this one goes somewhere, right? Uh, yeah. I yeah, 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 yeah talk to zoos and other kind of uh, places where uh, they might not have the budget to buy these things. But uh, if I can get them in there uh, and they, quote unquote, you know, I'll use geek term, but open source their data, like, hey, send this data to the cloud so that everybody else can see what you're doing with species that are that are hard to reproduce. Um, you know, would you guys kind of, is that a good compromise, right? Share yeah. your data and you get these devices for free. So. Right, right. Yeah, I think that that could certainly be helpful, especially as, as zoos especially with those zoos that are working with a lot of different species like Boland's pythons or, or any of those harder to breed species, you know, compare and contrast, especially you're talking about zoos that are ultimately trying to do the same thing with some of those species, but are on totally opposite sides of the country. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so their barometric pressure shifts and everything are, are quite different happening at different rates and times and stuff. So yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, that could prove to be an invaluable tool. Uh, as we, as we are still trying to learn so much about some of these different species that aren't as well known or well documented in the industry. For sure. The the other one is like to Rob's extent of when you know somebody brings in a leopard gecko or a ball python to the stop, right? Like, if you're like, oh, let me pull up your your temp chart, right? And yeah. you're like, oh, well, your temps are too low. Or hey, did you know that you know at night when your AC kicks on and the heat lamps off, you're freezing these things out yeah, uh, but you don't yeah. know that because you're sleeping right like those just those conversations are, are i think are empowering right and so i think uh, uh the more data we have the everybody's lives the better yeah for sure that's that's a really really good point so it certainly certainly sounds like you have some massive uh ideas for the project to get like to the masses of the industry and i i think that's absolutely wonderful especially as it, it's quite obvious that the industry is certainly moving forward in the desire to uh, better herpticulture. Yeah. You know, just kind of in yep. general, being able to keep better records of what you're doing and, and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that that will fit right in in all of that. So that's, mm -hmm. dude, that's freaking awesome. Thanks. I appreciate that. I, that just makes me think of uh, Steve Tillis and the, the oh, data yeah, yeah, collection yeah. that he's been doing with Eugene Bissett where he's been uh, kind of monitoring and recording data for reproduction in his in Eugene Bissett's collection and looking at the trends, the data trends of uh, breeding, when these females are breeding, when they're cycling, uh, how mm -hmm. many eggs they're producing, what years they're producing, and all sorts of stuff. And as you collect that data, you're, be, you're able to make, uh, not assumptions, but you're able to make like projections of what theoretically things, will, what kind of cycles things go in. Yeah. And that sort of stuff, if you don't have the data collected, it doesn't help anyone. If you don't have it organized in any sort of way, it's, it's not it's not helpful. But with those, you know, with the things you're talking about, it could be incredibly helpful for people who are already doing these things to help better the way that other people are doing it. If people are just trying to get into it and just trying to uh, get a handle on it. Yeah. Yeah, for 100%. sure. That's a, that makes me want to put you and, and Steve together and just be like, yeah, data, all D the data, data, all so the data, much data, or is it data? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Oh uh, my god. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really cool, man. I you know what's funny is like after we did that that trip and, and talked with Steve and, mm-hmm. and saw how he was implementing that at Eugene's place, like it's it still resonates the just those concepts still resonate with me mm-hmm. very much and just like being able to track that and, and give yourself a better flow and, and conceptualize what your future is, both like for your knowledge as the keeper of the animals, but also if you're in it for business, mm-hmm. you know, being able to make Projection. those projections yeah. is, is massive, you know. And uh, I think it's safe to say we all know that this industry is, is not easy to project and, and make assumptions about <laughs> as far as what people will want or what's going to be popular in the upcoming year. But, you know, if you're working on a certain thing, um, like a large portion of that system that Steve did was really focused on the ball pythons because yep. that's what Eugene produces a lot of. And um, at that, for him, because he doesn't deal with the public for the most part, he's wholesaling to other companies and, and stuff like that. So he needs to know, like, whatever's going to be the most popular, how can he generate more of those offspring? So those numbers really help in that moving mm-hmm. forward. And uh, like when Steve said, it will help us pick our holdbacks. Yeah, the I was system, like, he's like, in what? a year and a half, uh, the system should be able to pick out our holdbacks from our clutches so we don't have to. Yeah. I was like, yep, yep. oh my god, that's insane. Yeah. Data! Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, you could go around just breeding things for with no direction or no purpose, but if you've got a uh, purpose or if you've got a direction, the data and the numbers can help you, help guide you to the best, you know, the best use of all of that yeah for sure for sure and it would be it would be interesting to see uh dan your your concept yeah uh, for the environmental monitoring system in a situation like eugene's mm-hmm. where like because even steve was saying like certain even certain racks in the facility will cycle very similar yeah. you know similar time and, and go through so to be able to like isolate that like why does that rack is it something that's happening temperature wise or or what's going on in that rack um and then if you altered that in another rack in a different part of the building would Would it it then jump on that cycle Mm -hmm. or would it you know would it mess that up so i think that that could be an interesting hybrid for sure so like um so early on maybe a few years back um and you'll see like reptile inventory and some legacy dimensions of me or whatever uh, i had built uh, an inventory system that was like you know you type in the weights and you type in the feedings and you type in the sheddings and like all uh, track all that data mm-hmm. um maybe it was ahead of its time maybe whatever but like the major majority of people um don't take that time right like they don't they don't i don't know if it's not care enough they they don't find the value in that data they it's just right, like right. having to annually like boop, 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 put something in um even if you make it like easy with scanning like there's a couple of nice scanning apps out there now um so many people just don't put in that effort and so uh, i went the environmental monitoring direction now because it's they they don't then have to put any uh uh, they don't have to put any input, right? They just kind of like stick it in their cage and all the data comes for free for them. Uh, yeah, and so yeah. that's kind of the angle that I, I've gone. And so I would be more than happy to work with those guys to kind of plug in environmental data into their system if they don't already have it. Um, but it's just 
they're, I would say, the unicorn or the, uh, the, the exception to the rule of, for so many that uh, are not as organized or um, don't take the time to, to collect that data. You know, some people, you know, will, will write it on cards on the front of the cage or tape or whatever um, mm-hmm. at a bare minimum. But, but even that, you'd be surprised how many uh, collections you go to and uh, the, the amount of data is all in the person's head uh, yeah. and that's about it. You're not gonna you're not gonna run any uh, big data analysis on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like this guy, uh, it's up the, up the street from here. You know, his name starts with a K. Uh, he's really good at keeping information in his head. It You've probably a... heard of him, man. You, I think you know exactly what. <laughs> <laughs> but it was crazy because uh, when we went to Eugene Bissett's, he literally had data going back to what was it like? The eighties, nineteen eighty six or something. I think so yeah. Where he's like, I just started recording everything when I was doing my feedings, when I would I would weigh things periodically, when they were laying clutches, this, mm-hmm. this. and he's like, I kept meticulous data from nineteen eighty six up until mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And that amount of data is incredibly yeah. valuable to his business model now. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And, uh, yeah, and the model, that the, the uh, method that Steve had created, they only inputted four, four years, years of that data, you know, and then they were able to already kind of see the trends that they needed. But it would be interesting to see if they input all of the data from decades prior. To see if there's To see what trends, shifts, yeah. yeah, some bigger trends that could be there. Um, if there were years that production just slumped for one reason or another, like what was going on at that time. Um to be really interesting to see that. That's also a lot of data to input into a system. Yeah. You probably need to hire somebody just for that. Task but um, yeah, yeah, right. But um, yeah, it's it's in, it's just it's very interesting to think about. And uh, I know, like my, myself included, I tend to keep a lot of information in my head until I want to explode. Um, and then I just, I find myself like writing it down somewhere and I'm like, I should have just done this, but it was happening and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, to, when you start to see those trends and, and map it out, like, I feel like it would, especially for those of us that keep larger collections, allow us to, to adjust and make certain decisions faster. Mm-hmm. Just having access to, you know, a simple graph or chart on how, you know, temperatures are being maintained or, you know, whatever tweaks you know, because, like, I think about, you know, my reptile room now, having to move it to two different locations in this place mm-hmm. and how much it, like, messed with my breeding season and stuff like that and how long it took me to tweak that room. It'd be interesting with, like, a system like uh, like Dan's to, um, to have been able to see, okay, maybe within a, you know, just even within a month, mm-hmm. okay, well, what's happening now? Yes. You know, what's, what's going on this month compared to last month when it was in the other location? How can I tweak it? What do I need to do, you know, um, so I didn't get clutches of slugs from carp pythons. <laughs> it was a tough year, Jeremy. It okay? was. I'm crying still, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, do you ever do a lot of field herping, or are you more of like just a care and keeping guy? I think I've seen you field herp a little bit. Sure, sir. Um, I am... Um not a big hot weather guy so um <laughs> I, I i'm not like uh, going out on uh, expeditions or uh, uh going to the desert or anything like that but um 
you know, we'll go to the, the the old mill and grab some water snakes with the kids, or um, you know, we'll go for the occasional hike through the the woods around here and flip boards and logs and stuff. Um, I too uh, occasionally get calls from uh, <laughs> fish. What is it? Not fish and wild, but the uh, essentially um, the, the wildlife control officer around here. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get calls. So like a couple weeks back, I got a call and there was a um, uh, you know, an eight plus foot snake, uh, that, uh, is going through this yard and some gardener saw it and, uh, you know, they freaked out. They called this person, that person called some rescue and the rescue is on, does only owls and, uh, hawks. And so they're like, <laughs> holy mackerel, who do we call? And somehow they got my number. Yeah. Uh, and so then, uh, they're like, it's in this neighborhood. Uh, we think it's around these rocks. Good luck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so you know, I grab my son and a couple of snake cooks, uh, and we go out there. And um, it, it looked like there was some disturbed dirt under this one rock. And so I'm, I'm, you know, poking around in there, flashlight. I can't see anything. My son's like, you know, we're there 10, 15 minutes, and he's like, give up already. We're, we're not gonna find it. Um, and I finally uh, spooked it out of this hole that it, I, had, you know. I determined that it was in there. I was not going to give up until I found it. Uh, and it, it just came shooting out. Uh, and it was a little, like, two-and-a-half-foot uh, California king snake. Whoa. Um, and so I'm like, ah, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But that's <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, definitely not uh, the, you know, the eight-foot uh, giant that I was expecting, although, you know, you guys do the retakes that eight-foot is not giant. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, 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 you know, red saved the day by rescuing this little little snake. So that's kind of – we get those kind of exciting calls. Um yeah, in our in our building, uh, I have a, I'll say a ten foot rule. I, I try to keep the species I keep uh, below ten feet because uh, that's the uh, what I feel comfortable. Um, if I had a bad day or the animal I was working with had a bad day, mm -hmm. uh, I, feel like, I feel like a ten foot snake is a bad day for anybody if it's yeah. a bad day. Um, yeah. But uh, if I'm alone in there, then uh, I'll, that's kind of my limit. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I I, I appreciate that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Midst of the ten foot snake, here is the three foot Woma. Slam! <laughs> yeah, slam! Constricting yeah. your arm. You're like, what? That it doesn't smell like food. Yeah. It's like, but it feels like yeah. food. Oh man! Yeah, I mean, I I take the the ten foot uh, you know brettles or uh, uh, the blackhead or whatever over the uh, the king rat, uh, which will like you know musk and bite you three mm, times before you even notice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I still tell people to this day, man, like, I'll, I'll take the bite every day over the musk, musk? Oh, and, yeah. the, and the piss and crap. And, like, what? At least that stuff washes off. It's like, but that smell, it oh, lingers. It lingers. At least the blood, you wipe it away, you put some pressure on it, you're good to go. You mm. enjoy your day. You can hang out with your friends. Yeah. You get must on. Nobody wants to be near you. You wash it's, your hands with floral dish soap, and now you smell like someone shit in a flower bed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just as bad, if not worse. It's just like, wow, I wish that I hadn't laid down in this bed of flowers that uh, someone pooped in. This is terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. What? Don't oh, look at me like that. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, man. Hey, man, it is what it is. Uh, Nerodia musk is a different kind of beast. That is very true. <laughs> Oof. I don't oh, know man. if there's anything that takes water snake musk off of your hands. 
I don't think so. You gotta use like sulfuric acid. You gotta do like a one second dip in sulfuric. <laughs> yeah, oof. Just enough to oh. burn the epidermis. Yeah, just enough then... to burn your fingerprints off. That's yeah. all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> then you're you're smelling like burnt flesh, but it's not musk. But it's not. It's not musk. musk. <laughs> oh man. All right, so we are reaching that time uh, where we're gonna wrap this up. But before we do. Uh, we ask everybody one final question, and that question is, what in the realm of reptile, be it in your own collection, uh, something that you've seen scrolling online, because that's all we do now thanks to COVID, um, <laughs> what in the realm of reptile has you excited? Uh, what has in the realm? So I think we, luckily, we talked most of the call about it, right? It's the, um, well, I'll, I'll take I'll fork and cheat and get two answers out of it, but the, <laughs> because we talked about, because we talked about data, right? Like yeah. doing science and uh, and and being more doing more with the data we can collect. Uh, so that's exciting. The other one is uh, the whole like quote unquote bioactive trend, right? Like uh, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like uh, they are, my, my European buddies are like, so you mean keeping? Yeah, keeping. <laughs> right, and so uh, so having people, you know. Uh, get away from these like sterile enclosures and uh, you know if you look at some of my my cages uh, enclosures I, I'm just as bad with the paper towels and some of the snakes but mm -hmm. uh, we're definitely this with COVID I've got more time and so we're, we're upgrading and switching a bunch of ours over to you know real keeping we'll say um, and uh, and trying to kind of enrich the animals minds and uh, give them a, a more uh, exciting and interesting environment and so I think that uh becoming a little bit more mainstream is, is exciting to me that uh, we're kind of uh, getting to that point where I think European keepers and others have been doing it forever. Hell yeah. yeah, that's definitely definitely a fair point. We're a little behind on that <laughs> in that realm. <laughs> Alright man, so if people want to find out more about you and the things that you're doing where should they look out for you? Yeah, sure. So uh, Row Reptiles, R-O-W-E Reptiles, um, are on Facebook. Uh, so that's where my personal collection, uh, we didn't talk about it. I, I'm currently the president of the New England Herp Society. So that's if you're right. in New England, uh, we definitely want you to check us out there. Uh, we're doing virtual meetings uh, once a month at this point. So you can come check out whoever's giving our talk online. Uh, but uh, sign up for us. And then... Um, you can find me at, at almost any Uzark auction. Uh, spending yeah. way too much on plates of cookies. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and 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 when I'm not talking to you guys, I'm super introverted. So if you see me at an expo, uh, come up to me, talk to me, say hi. I won't remember your name because I'm focusing on if I can actually still shake hands while I'm freaking out. Uh, <laughs> so say hi, talk to me. Uh, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Most definitely, man. Good so thank stuff, you very dude. much for coming on tonight. Uh, we appreciate it a lot, and we'll be talking to you again soon. All right. Have a good one. Thanks again. All right. Yes, sir.